Hi guys, welcome to my first podcast. This is King Kumar. With my first podcast, what I'll be talking about on this podcast, I'll be talking about sports, business, economics, um, really anything that you guys want, I will bring and um, that I am interested in too, of course. So on my first podcast today, I'm going to be talking about why ride sharing is great and why it's going to solve big problems. So first, before we go into the podcast, let's first talk about what is ride sharing and what is the sharing economy. So in recent years, um, this term called ride sharing or sharing economy has become very popular. And according to Google, the term means an economic system in which assets or services are being shared between private individuals, either for either free or for a fee. Like uh, how Uber charges a certain cost for you to get a ride, um, and typically by means of internet. Uh, again, how Uber uses their app to uh, allow you to schedule and request a ride. Uh, but the term ride sharing is basically what I said. So it's an arrangement between a car owner and a person who enters a pickup location and destination through an, an app or a website for free. Now, for Uber and Lyft, even if you don't have a car, they have, like, rental programs. So if you wanted to, you could rent a car and just start using Uber. So did you ever think about, um, if you think about the last 10 years and look about it and, uh, and uh, look how it how the uh, world has changed, how the, really, the tech market has changed. So... In 2010, 2008, for example, the financial crisis year, uh, we never, our iPhones were a new thing, smartphones were a new thing, and people just thought it was a fad. Well, not really a fad, but some people thought it was a fad. So basically, in 2008, um, that's how, that's where Uber um, became uh, a company. So basically, what happened was in 2008, um, Travis Kalanick and his partner, um, his name is, Garrett Camp, they were um, going to a uh, presidential inauguration or some kind of event, and they were trying to find some... uh, a ride. Uh, they were trying to find a taxi, and it took them a lot of time. So, um, they thought of the idea: Hey, why not make an app similar to that of um, of James Bond? Because that's what Gary Camp thought when he first thought of Uber. He kind of wanted it to kind of be like, uh, um, like how the James Bond movies were, like how James Bond could see his car coming. And at first, when they first started the Uber, he wanted to have a more luxury feel. So he wanted to target, in business, they call this, like, who your target market is. And so he wanted his target market to be people of influence, people who wanted luxury. So that's how we got the idea. And actually, before... Before Uber, like before Travis Kalanick came, he would, uh, him and Garrett Camp, 
so Gary Camp had the idea, and um, Travis Kalanick was working for a company called Red Swoosh, and I'm finding all my information on Investopedia. But so Gary, so Travis Kalanick sold this company Red Swoosh to a company called Academy Technologies for 19 million, and Camp had this t- the ticket service um, stumble upon, and he sold that for eBay. So both of these. Um, entrepreneurs, they both had uh, ideas for Uber. So, um, as I was saying, they got this idea after they were unable to get a cab. And as I was saying before, they wanted to get like a a limo because at this time, um, taxis, yellow cabs were still a big thing. So after they got the idea, they thought, so after I got the idea, actually, Garrett Camp, so they were in Paris when they first found this idea, uh, when they were meeting up because they didn't know each other. They just met at some conference. So they met in San Francisco and then, sorry, met in Paris. And then when uh, Garrett Camp returned to San Francisco, he bought the domain UberCap. So that's just a little backstory on Uber and for Lyft. Um, one of the co-founders, actually, Logan Green, um, as a college student in college, he uh, he thought that, oh, he also had the same idea as both of them. He thought that, so he went, he thought that uh, a ride-sharing fee could, ride-sharing could solve some problems, like traffic. So as I was saying, back to the story. So he was studying in college, and he took a trip to Zimbabwe, and he saw how Zimbabweans were using ride-sharing to like solve traffic problems and eventually get people places, okay? So he went to um, his friend, John Zimmer, and they both started Lyft. So that's the story of Lyft. So now let's actually go into the benefits. As I said before, ride sharing can solve traffic. The average American spends about 17 and six, 17, 17K minutes on the road. And this was according to news.com slash AA. And traffic, we all know it's stressful. It's, we don't like it. We hate it. It's frustrating, stressful. And it's actually an economic issue because congestion costs about $160 billion and $300 billion glasses are wasted. And this was, and I found this on MIT News. And according to MIT, they say that car, car, um, carpooling, so like you sharing a ride with another friend, um, can help solve traffic. And this is what Uber and Lyft do. They reduce the number of cars by getting you with multiple people. Like this is through Uber Pool, and I think Lyft has a similar service. So according to Daniel Ross, she's a professor at MIT, she says that ride-sharing services have enough enormous potential for um, societal impact with, um, with respect to congestion, pollution, and energy consumption. So basically, ride-sharing can not only make traffic somewhat easier, somewhat manageable, but also make um, the 
earth more green. And lastly, what she states in this article is that as researchers, as her as a researcher, she says that, and us, we have to find transportation, we have to use transportation systems and make these systems as efficient and reliable. So, yeah, traffic can help solve that. And both Logan Green and Travis Kilnick, who's the former CEO now, state that traffic can help, that their services can help solve traffic, ride sharing, basically. So, um, basically, I got this idea of ride sharing and I was really obsessed with like, oh, how did Uber, Lyft came to me? So I read this book called The Upstarts by Brad Stone. I highly recommend this book. It's about um, the sharing economy. So they talk about um, companies in the right uh, sharing economy. So yes, and that's why Brad Stone and the book is called The Upstarts. So um, in the book, Travis Koenig states, all these things that are gonna happen, whether it's human-driven transportation, carpooling, or driverless cars, um, it'll make cars come off the road. This will make um, probably reduce amount of traffic and make it a lot more safer and reducing the amount of traffic and more efficient. So one of the most, and I got this from page 331 on the upstarts. So one of the most common misconceptions that people have is jobs. Guys, um, I have to tell you one thing. As I have been taking um, economic classes, I have learned the idea of creative destruction. So that's like, that's basically saying that how entrepreneurs adapt to innovation and change. And my one of my mentors, one of the people who inspire me, his name is Gary V. And Gary, well, Gary Vaynerchuk is his full name. He states, he says that if companies don't adapt to innovation, they will fail. That's so true. Like, can you think about all the things that you thought were once cool that didn't adapt to change or all the companies that didn't adapt to innovation? So the reason I'm saying this is because taxi cab drivers, Taxi cab medallion owners, so those are who own the taxis, had a chance to do this. They, sh they work with people every single day. They could they could have asked them, like, hey, how can we improve this service? But they didn't. That's why companies like Uber and Lyft are kings in the taxi industry. So according to a Freakonomics podcast, the reason that taxi medallion owners are hurt, not taxi drivers, is because they own a bat, an asset, a business. Taxi drivers don't own this, the medallion owners own it. So when the taxi medallion owners didn't take advantage of what are handheld devices, the iPhone, basically, that led to Uber and Lyft, um, they failed. And Uber and Lyft saw this as a as a um chance to adapt and a chance to really tap into the market and get and expand in the sector and really um really take advantage of the sector. So they took advantage of this. 
So another thing that Uber and Lyft helped solve is that it would take a really long time for taxi medallion for taxi drivers to get jobs. So according to Uber's website, they say I could be wrong, but Uber says that um Uber says that they have created twenty thousand jobs in uh, sorry. They according to Uber's website, they get taxi drivers get paid immediately after their trip. And Uber Uber has created more jobs for unemployed because it allows uh people who don't really have in this really rapid job market, people can people who aren't able to drop find jobs, can work with Uber. So, in 2014, um, according to business, a Business Insider article, Uber created about 20,000 jobs in the month of 2014. And they were also helping jump the, U- the U.S. economy. So, according to Forbes, Forbes states that Uber drivers made more than taxi drivers. And Forbes also states that in San Francisco, Uber drivers made $23 an hour, while taxi tra- drivers only made $12. So in every single city, taxi drivers earn more than... In every single city, Uber drivers earn more than taxi drivers. But they do have to pay for gas, so there's a trade-off. A trade-off is basically when you have more of something and you have to give it up. Because you have more of something, you have to give up something else. It's basically opportunity cost. It's your next best option. So in conclusion, Uber is boosting the economy by providing more jobs for the people, increasing income for people who use Uber as a second job, and they pay their drivers more than um tech modern taxi medallions. So um both of these services make it a lot easier for you to uh get your get a ride in minutes, seconds even, because before it could take minutes, uh it could take you anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, maybe even more. Now you can pinpoint the exact time. You have safety too in that. You can say, you can see like who your driver is, if they have uh, like what their personal record is and um, other stuff. In 2019, time is money. We know that. We don't want to take certain hours for tax. We want it to be done quick. So that's what Uber and Lyft do. They make it easier. Um, but there is one trade-off with that, and it's that uh, this idea of surge pricing. So basically, in the holidays, and it rains actually. Um, according to Freakonomics, um, and Planet Money, the pot, um, taxi medallions and medallion owners don't really want to work, so Uber uses an incentive to provide more supply, called surge pricing. Basically, surge pricing is an added fee um, in cases of high demand, like bad weather or special events like Lala. Um, you'll see surge pricing, or after a Bears game, you'll see surge pricing, and all of these surge pricings will always be um, will be as um, will be 
uh, are all calculated by the multiplier that has 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, 1.5. So it's always estimated. So you're never going to get something that says 1.542. It'll be 1.5. So the way that the multiplier actually works, if your original price is $10 and search and so the search price is $1.2, your fee will be 20% higher with search pricing. And this fee does not really change during search pricing. So what I mean by that is that uh, if you're sending by someone else, chances are YouTube will have probably someone else who orders an Uber, YouTube will probably have the same um, price. And this is also, I found this on Freakonomics, according to um, Stephen Levitt, who's a professor at Muna at uh, the prestigious college in Chicago, University of Chicago. Uh, he's in economics. So, um, and he says that search, and according to Uber, they say that search pricing um, varies in different areas of the cities at the same time. So in New York, my 9 p.m. in New York might have a different, will have the same search price like on X Street than something that's on Y Street. It really depends on how much supply is by the person who's demanding it. It really depends on the ratio of supply and demand around that area. Um, so yeah. So in conclusion, I truly believe that ride sharing is gonna change the world and change people's lives. Everyone trying to get into ride sharing, including Google. Um, so the car company GM, who basically makes Chevy, Cadillac, all these cars, bought, invested 500 million in Lyft, and this is according to Market Watch, and Toyota followed by investing 500 million in Uber to promote self-driving cars. Elon Musk, who is the person I love, says that Tesla is also going to get into the ride-sharing market. Um, he says that basically with Tesla's autopilot, if it progresses enough, you can have like your car, your autopilot go pick people up and you can earn money off of it. So Musk, as we all know, said, is a big driverless car guy. He says it's going to be the future. And Uber, not Uber has been testing this, not necessarily Lyft. So in conclusion, I truly believe um, ride-sharing can help solve traffic, create jobs, and make everyone's life a lot easier. Um, so yeah, that's the end of my podcast. I'm sorry that I... Uh, had a lot of ums and ahs, and I can confuse you. I'm I'm so sorry. It's my first time doing this. Um, I hope you enjoyed. On my next podcast, I'm going to be um interviewing this kid named Matt Hamley. He's the CEO um of this company called Pineapple and his friend. So look forward to that interview. And I'll also be doing more um podcast my next one i plan to do is how marketing has been changing and we'll get a chicago bears episode so yeah thank you for listening to my podcast and i hope you all had a great day